You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. FM Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Get by there today. Go ahead. Get Mama taken care of. One week from Sunday, Mother's Day 2021. Mama loves chocolate. Not just any chocolate, by the way. She loves good chocolate. Be sure to take care of her at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Mr. Jacob Harrison. And together, we combine to form the 60 bit of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, how are you on this Tuesday morning? It, it it's wrong that it's only Tuesday. It it needs to be Thursday. I've I, I've contained my excitement for long enough. You're ready. You're ready. We are a little less than 48 hours away from the opening of the 2021 NFL draft, and certainly we'll get into some of that as we move throughout the program today. Two zero five three four two nine nine zero four. This is the Peter Brook Chocolatier Studio Line. By the way, if you'd like to jump on, talk some NFL draft, and certainly in terms of anniversaries, one that uh, it's hard to believe ten years since that fateful day in Tuscaloosa, and really the state of Alabama as a whole. Now, I saw James Spann with a post on Facebook this morning about that, as he worded it, so uh, appropriately, uh, the generational event, 62 tornadoes in Alabama on this date 10 years ago, killing 252 people, injuring many, many more. According to James Spann, three of the 62 tornadoes on this date in 2011 were rated EF5. Crazy. And, of course, the EF4 that came through Tuscaloosa in the afternoon and evening hours of April the 27th, 2011. Those of us that were in Tuscaloosa at the time will never forget it. Uh, We were out in northeast Tuscaloosa, the FAM, 
and myself. So we were extremely fortunate out that way. Uh, the the EF four went to the south, as we know, cut a swath right through basically central Tuscaloosa, and then up towards the eastern, northeast, east, northeast sections, Crescent Ridge, uh, Alberta City, right there at essentially McFarland and 15th Street seem to be ground zero as much as anything else. And the aftermath will just, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. You know, getting in our SUV at the time, uh, going towards town from northeast Tuscaloosa to try to see exactly what had happened. And I think we got to Helen Keller and University there, where you can cut over on Helen Keller between Jack Warner and University. And by the time we got up even close to University, uh, coming in from Alberta City there just before McFarland, you could just see that forever altered the city of Tuscaloosa and, you know, more importantly, the loss of life, uh, in general, dozens of Tuscaloosa area residents died on this day, 10 years ago. Some of them with deep ties to university of Alabama athletics has been, as has been chronicled throughout the years. So of course we want to take time and share and, and tribute to those, uh, not only, in terms of loss of life, but so many great folks who have done so many great things in the 10 years since to try to get Tuscaloosa back. And if nothing else, perhaps also help Tuscaloosa move forward. Uh, but the cost that it came at, uh, it, it, too much, too much. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us again, you are more than welcome to do so. We will get into some sports on the program today. A significant day in Tuscaloosa history, state of Alabama history, no doubt about it. Uh, there is sports to talk about. You got Alabama baseball over in Birmingham this evening. Makeup of a rain out earlier in the season. Regions Field tonight, home of the Birmingham Barons. You're going to have Alabama and uh and the Blazers of UAB, of course, Alabama will host Missouri in a return to conference action this weekend at the Joe. So more big games for Brad Bohannon's club uh, where conference play is concerned. Trying to stay around that 500 mark, as we outlined for you on Monday. Not going to be easy to do once you get beyond Missouri. Won't be easy this weekend either. But really, when you get beyond uh, Missouri, and you start thinking about Vanderbilt, an improving LSU team, and then, of course, Mississippi State at the Joe to cap the regular season. You can work through these next. You can work through these next twelve games at even five and seven, maybe even four and eight. You can feel pretty good about that. I don't know. I think if you're thinking about Missouri as a part of those 12 games, I think you got to be a little closer to 500 through those 12. Uh, you should win the series at home this weekend. Maybe you get a sweep. Um, and then in those final three series, you're likely going to be expected to go, gosh, three and six. So if you sweep Missouri, 
uh, and you, you you go three and six in those final nine, uh, you're looking at six and six. It's possible anyway for Alabama baseball, but a lot of NFL draft stuff to get into as well. We'll have Brent Beard coming up in our very next segment. We'll talk SEC football with Brent as we do each and every week with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Brent also uh, going to get us up to speed on the one-time transfer rule. That's a formality. You should be hearing something on that here in the next 24 to 48 hours as far as it, it's already been approved, but now the D1 Council will formally implement it into the NCAA administrative way of doing things. So that's going to happen here in the next couple of days. Uh, the talk of the expanded playoff on the horizon, six teams, eight teams, when might it go into effect? We'll talk with Brent about that. We'll put a wrap on some spring football also around the SEC as you had some spring games over the weekend. Also, we've learned here in the last 24 hours, Ben Davis, former Alabama Gordo High School linebacker, moving on to the University of Texas, Alabama West out there in Austin, Texas. Man, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of questions, a lot of text messages from people who cover Texas football these days. What's Alabama getting in Jeff Banks? What's Alabama getting in Kyle Flood? What's Alabama getting in Ben Davis? Just on and on, man, the connections between Alabama and Texas. And, of course, next year, you're going to have Alabama going out to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns in the 2022 season. So it isn't going away anytime soon, the connection between the Longhorns and the Crimson Tide. 205-342-9904. The storylines for the opening round of the NFL draft coming up on Thursday night. We've talked about them here on the program. Not going away anytime soon, it doesn't seem. That connection of Mac Jones with the San Francisco 49ers and really where the draft starts there with the number three overall selection. We're making the assumption, I think safely, our Jacksonville Jags taking Trevor Lawrence number one, Zach Wilson going number two to the Jets, and then the draft starts. That's where it really starts Thursday night. It's kind of like the back nine. Number 10T at Augusta, right? The Masters tournament doesn't actually start until the back nine on Sunday, that's what they tell you, year after year. Well, the NFL draft in 2021 will not officially get underway, really, until that number three pick. And that's where Mac Jones comes into play. And really, the run on Alabama players, you look at a lot of these mock drafts, Jacob, is it safe to say that between picks three and 12, you're going to have four Alabama players come off the board? That seems to be the consensus, if not the unanimous Thought. I guess Devontae's a little bit of a wild card because you continue to see him maybe even in the mid-first round. But Sertan, Devontae Smith, Waddle, and Matt Jones, pretty safe bets that you need to be watching the draft if you're an Alabama fan from picks 3 through 12, 15 at the latest. Uh, Jacob, would you say that's a fair assumption? I've done a lot of practice mocks over the past few days to prepare for, for my final one, and I haven't had one yet where all four aren't gone And by the time we get to 12. Yeah, just sort of lines up that way, doesn't it? So uh, now I know a lot of you folks aren't like Jacob. You know, you're not just going to basically 
post up for three solid days. Jacob will sit there. I'm guessing, Jacob. You, how many breaks will you will you take? Will you? I mean, will you wear a diaper during the draft? Do you have a, a draft diaper? You know, so you can just stay right there in front of the coverage. Well, I, I at least still have my youth to lean on. <laughs> or at least I think some I do. Some semblance of bladder control. That's right. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I remember those days, Jacob. They were cool. Yeah. <laughs> but but I am I am one of those. I, I will watch day three and I'll, I'll listen to what they're saying, but I'm watching the ticker. I got to see where everybody's going. I get, I'm one of those, the second, the, the first pick that they skip and and they do on a commercial break in like the late second early third round it infuriates me every single year (laughs) i gotta think nothing nothing makes the hair stand up on jacob harrison's neck the back of his neck like that ticker when that the pick is in Oh, I bet Jacob that, that that's that's about as good as it gets, huh? It's like you get the, to day uh, two and three, the pick is in. It's like the SEC music in August, you know. It just it's <laughs> it hits you right right in the good spot, you know. Is that is that your um is that your ringtone on your phone? No, that, but uh, but that's tempting now that be. you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you need to make that happen, Jacob. That that pick is in. Oh, let's head to a break for crying out loud. We got Brent Beard coming up next on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Peter Brook Chocolates here right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama baseball travels to Birmingham to take on UAB at Regions Field on Tuesday evening. First pitch of the matchup between the Crimson Tide and the Blazers is set for 6 p.m. Central with radio coverage available across the network. Alabama and UAB will meet for the 80th time in series history. Two teams square off on Tuesday. The Crimson Tide holds the all-time series advantage 54-25, to including a 19-10 mark in Birmingham. That includes a 5-2 record at Regions Field. The two teams were originally scheduled to meet on March 2nd, but weather that day forced a postponement. The last meeting between the two in-state foes came on March 10th, 2020. Alabama claimed a 13-7 win at Regions in what would be both teams' final game before the season was canceled due to the pandemic. I'll have more in a moment. There is no substitute for hard work. Just ask the Crimson Tide. At Dex Imaging, they know the meaning of hard work, too. You don't become the best in the office equipment business without it. If you need a copier and printer company that understands hard work, quality, dependability, and customer service, then give Dex Imaging a call or go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. If you missed last night's edition of Hey Coach, you can check it out on our Alabama Insider Podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Baseball head coach Brad Bohannon recapped the last series against Kentucky and looks ahead to tonight's game with UAB. Also, softball head coach Patrick Murphy recaps a weekend sweep of Louisiana and looks ahead to this weekend's series at Georgia. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine, the high 84. For tonight, fair with a low at 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 85. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, the chance of a shower late in the day. Thunderstorms are likely Thursday night, the high 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Southern Fried Sports. It is a second segment of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. That means our great friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Brent, of course, also a longtime voter where the Heisman Trophy is concerned. Got a lot of things to get into with Brent. Put a wrap on some spring football around the Southeastern Conference. And then looking ahead to the next couple of days, some some landscape changing. I think yeah. I don't think it's a stretch, Brent, to say that some things that are going to happen here in the next couple of days are are very much going to change the landscape of uh, of college football. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about it, uh, but we can see it coming. Uh, the new transfer rule is about to, uh, uh, frankly, uh, get going and go through all the committees it needs to do. Uh, certainly talk about the... Uh, uh, college football playoff expansion, uh, and uh, also, uh, I mean, they're just uh, image likeness. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know exactly where that's going to go, but that's just a matter of time. Name, image, and likeness yep. is, is around the corner. Uh, also, so you're right. Uh, that this, I think, when we look back on 2021, Trav, it, it will be a very important time for college football as to kind of what it sets in motion over the next few years. Now, the D1 board of directors for the NCAA, they're going to meet tomorrow, right? And it's yes, expected yes. that the transfer rule, the, the one-time transfer rule, be rubber stamped. I've had people ask me about it. From the conference perspective, well, this has to happen first, correct? Yes, correct. Yes, absolutely. And I give Nicole Auerbach credit for, credit with this, too, because she's following it uh, very closely in, uh, at some of these meetings. It's the Division One Board of Directors that they will meet. Uh, they've discussed all this, and they, and they suspect it to, uh, to start immediately. Now, Trent, what we don't know about this yet and I think the main thing they need to hammer out is you, you've actually got to start this uh, on a certain day, and then there will be some kind of a deadline on this. Now, that's what we don't understand. I've heard it maybe like July 1, July 15th, or, uh, or maybe some other date. Uh, so, uh, again, the devil's in the details, and I think that's an issue here. And the Henry Toa Toa watch ramps up, I would think, here. <laughs> oh, boy, doesn't it, In though? the next couple of days where the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, is concerned. Now, 
from the playoff perspective, I know there's been some interesting interaction, I guess, uh, with the uh, CFP management committee and you know some, some some serious smoke, I guess you could say that the fire that is an expansion of the college football play seems inevitable at this point. I guess it's just going to come down to a matter of when they still have a few years, right? Three yes. or four years left in the right. current deal, uh, and then more specifically, how many teams might we see in an expanded playoff? Well, I, I think what we're going to see, and, and first of all, uh, it, it tells us something, doesn't it, Trav, that the committee is actually admitting that they are looking at different models. Uh, and they've looked at 6, 8, 10, 12, and 16. Now, certainly what we hear and have uh, checked on, uh, we're not going to 10, 12, or 16. This is basically going to be 6 or 8. Uh, and it may very well be six. So, uh, and the the contracts are up in 2025. But the thing that we've got to deal with too is the unraveling of those contracts, and what that's going to mean as far as the TV partners are are concerned. The the uh, after the uh, commissioners deal with this and they come up with their suggestion. This also has to be uh, approved by another committee that is the 11 presidents and chancellors. And Travis mentioned this a few minutes ago, is you see this in the transfer rule that, first of all, it's got to be done on a national basis, and then it's done on a conference basis. Uh, Here, uh, you'll have the commissioners that will give their suggestion and their approval and then this committee will uh, have to approve it. Now, that committee, we can all already say, they really don't want football to be a two-semester sport. Now, it's virtually on the on the on the verge of being two-semester sport now. So you're doing uh, it with college basketball, right? I mean, college certain. basketball is a two-semester sport, right? There's no there's no question about that. And look, uh, at some point, uh, and I think that's just academic rhetoric, Trav, to be honest with you on that, uh, as much as anything else. But I think that that's what this is coming down to. It's either going to be six or it's going to be eight. Uh, And, look, if something's open in 2025, you you with the business acumen that you have uh, would certainly have picked up on this already, that, Trav, if if it's due then, you're announcing something, what, uh, in 2022 or 2023 just to get all the ducks in the row, right? I would think so. Yeah, you go to six, it allows you to get the Pac-12 back involved. It does. And you throw the group of five a cookie, right? Yes. That, yeah, that's exactly. what you're thinking yes. of six, I would think. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Now, they may go uh, to eight, uh, but I won't be surprised if they take an intermediate step and, and go to six. And that way you would have all the, as Travis said, the, all the power fives involved. Uh, and then the non-power five, they would have a slot, too. So, basically... Everybody would be represented, which has been one of the real arguments to begin with for expansion. The expanded college football playoff brought to you by Capri Sun and Arm Slices, <laughs> where everyone gets a spot at the table. Absolutely. Uh, also, what we've heard here in the last few days, another rule change for college football, two-point conversions. This is fascinating to me 
for one specific reason. But, Brent, tell us what we're going to have where overtime is concerned and two-point conversions as you get into overtime games and really not all that far into them anymore before you have the two-point conversion in place. Well, this is, again, under player safety, and they're trying to eliminate the seven-overtime type game that we had between A&M and LSU uh, when those guys were, uh, frankly, exhausted. Uh, Obviously, at the end end of seven overtimes, uh, yes, there's going to be, after like two overtimes, you're basically going to have a – Trev, help me on this. Could, could you compare this to almost a soccer shootout yeah. at some point uh, to, mm-hmm. where, to where after you've got basically two overtimes, uh, you, you're going to have a rash of two-point conversions, and, and I know some people don't like that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of warming up to it, I guess, to some degree, uh, but again, it's player safety, and uh, uh, as you know, a lot of coaches have what, Trav? Maybe four or five two-point conversion plays. How, how much will that playbook expand now? That's where I'm interested because the game is so much about explosive plays now. Yeah, yes. You, you don't see as much, or it doesn't seem like you do. I don't have the analytics to support this, but it doesn't seem like you know the game is played in the three yards in a cloud of dust realm very no. much anymore. So. Yeah, you're going to have to at least think about beefing up that short yardage and goal line and those two-point conversions, uh, those type of plays that you would typically have, as you said, three, four, maybe five in your arsenal. Maybe you have to double that up. And uh, that's where having 27 analysts like Alabama has <laughs> should be another advantage. This is just that's another right. advantage Absolutely. for Alabama, Brent, because uh, all these analysts are going to be able to come up with more two-point plays for Nick Saban. Hey, right. they keep changing the rules. And they just keep benefiting Alabama more and more, it seems like, Brent. And, and when you've got a balanced offense like Nick Saban wants to run, when you can behind one of the best offensive lines in the nation uh, with a running back room that we probably haven't seen the likes of uh, as far as depth in Alabama, and then you're able to spread the field with those receivers and also with Bryce Young. I mean, Trev, two-point two conversion possibilities are almost endless in Alabama now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they, they really are. Hey, uh, Brent, you know, we talk about this one-time transfer rule going into effect here in the very near future, uh, and we we continue to think about the transfer portal and how it might continue to just swell. Uh, you've seen it with Alabama in recent days. A couple of players have entered the portal, including Ronald Williams, the cornerback who came into UA as a junior college transfer a year ago. Ben Davis, we learned yesterday, mm-hmm. is headed to reunite with former Alabama assistant Steve Sarkeesian out in Austin, Texas with the Texas Longhorns. And then the Tennessee Vols. Tennessee Vols love that portal where quarterbacks are concerned. Joe Milton making his way from the University of Michigan to Knoxville. Are there any other sort of imminent type situations that you're anticipating where the portal is concerned or kind of what's up next, do you think? It is such a, well, obviously, Trav, when we get the transfer rule and we have that date, 
Uh, at that at that point, when things are going to start spinning, and, and then and then look, uh, let me also throw in here something that hasn't been talked about enough is on June one is these camps are going to be opening that weren't open last year for recruiting, and players and coaches are going to be able to be on the road. So, Trev, if you throw that in there with their transfer portal and, and uh, what what we're seeing, uh, an uneventful uh, what uh, middle end of May and June and July is going to be unbelievable, is it not? Yeah, I think when you consider the transfer portal and guys coming out of spring practice that you know are going to be on the move. Now, some of these guys, in some instances, and you're hearing some of this even with Ronald Williams, maybe there had already been some back-channel discussion with some programs sure. out there, and that, that's not uncommon. No. Uh, more often than not, or oftentimes anyway, a lot of these guys know where they're going. Uh, pretty much, at least they know a couple of three options that they're going to consider before they ever formally hit the portal. But yeah, definitely June is shaping up between official visits, between camps, between the portal. You might need some traffic cops out in front of some of these <laughs> facilities around college football. Hey, you had spring games over mm-hmm. the weekend, including three or four in the Southeastern Conference. Which one of those maybe caught your attention the most, at least going in? Or maybe there was one coming out of Saturday that, that piqued your interest. Well, I, I think Tennessee did what they needed to do. Uh, they put up a lot of yardage and a lot of points. Uh, as a matter of fact, they had 99 plays and 821 yards uh, when you look at last year and what they were able to do or maybe better not able to do. Now, look, their defense is in shambles at Tennessee, but the, the reality is in this day and age, uh, what Tennessee is going to do with Josh Heupel is I think at least have a competent passing game that they really unfortunately were not able to have under Jeremy Pruitt uh, Hendon Hooker, Brian Marr, Harrison Bailey, who kind of, again, is the uh, maybe the favorite quarterback in all this. Uh, they all took turns having a really good spring game. And I think if they, if they can look better during that spring game, that's important. Now, Travis mentioned this last week, and, and it's worth following up on. It looks like Trav Hayes King, or uh, is going to be your quarterback at A and M. Now uh, he's got a little bit of a slight edge. Zach Calzada is also in there. Obviously, Kellen Mond is gone. But but look, the reason I bring up A and M uh, is, um, and I'm I'm not saying this is going to happen, but their D coordinator, who has gotten a lot of credit for their resurgence is Mike Elko, and Trev, Mike Elko is among about four guys that's up for that Kansas job. So uh, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. You've got Jeff Monken, Lance Leopold from Buffalo, Skip Holtz from Louisiana Tech. If Elko leaves A&M, I'm not saying that's going to leave necessarily uh, Jimbo in a lurch, uh, but I thought he's done a pretty solid job as as D coordinator at A and M. That that would certainly make them uh, uh, kind of have a maybe even a different look coming up in the fall. Yeah, two million dollar coordinator in Mike Elko. Absolutely. And if it does go down that way, there's comfort in knowing that the personnel 
that his successor would inherit is exceptional. No I think point. we know that. You start up front with McKinley Jackson there, stepping in for Bobby Brown at defensive tackle, DeMarvin Leal at end, Jaden Peavy at defensive tackle. Yes, Buddy Johnson moves on from the middle linebacker position, but got guys like Damani Richardson in the secondary. That defense, from a personnel standpoint, has a chance to rank up there with Alabama among some of the very best in all of college football in 2021. Um, Brent, I noted here uh, that you you had in your notes uh, some interesting stuff on LSU. And, boy, the hits just seem to keep coming, and I don't think it's a surprise considering – uh, the, the, the dark cloud just hovering over that program right now. But Darius Geis, it sounds like, uh, scrubbed from the yeah. book, scrubbed oh, yeah. from the history of, of LSU football for his alleged part in the sexual harassment uh, allegations that have been levied against LSU. I've never been a real fan of erasing numbers from the record books, uh, whether it's because of, uh, and you've seen it with basketball players too, that like they never existed. I mean, if you did it on the field or on the court, in my opinion, it, it, it stands forever. But I think they want to show that they're trying to do something uh, to deal with this situation. Again, Darius Geis, and this is not rumor, in fact, USA Today has several articles about Darius Geis and uh, his violence toward women, uh, and that is certainly chronicled in LSU trying to distance themselves. Uh, and look, their, lo- their long-term law firm now has been fired uh, to go along with this. And, and Trav, I saw yesterday where you've got more women that are filing. Yeah, like seven uh, more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Title IX lawsuits. And, and again, as we've said, uh, they've got a terrific team on the field. But, but and, and, and if people get tired of this, I'm sorry, but this just the way this is. If this continues, the trickle-down effect at some point, uh, you know, could this affect O? Before the season begins, I, I, I don't know uh, if that's a possibility or not, but, 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 Trav, but my thing is, when does this actually start to filter in and maybe for somehow, some way affect this upcoming football team? Yeah, and by the way, it's interesting that LSU has decided to remove Darius Geis' statistics from the record books. But I'm guessing they're going to keep Les Miles' 2007 oh. national title in those same record books, you know, with Les's yeah, issues absolutely. on this front. Doesn't sound like they're doing away with that 2007 oh. national title. I think it's going to stay in that media guide. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, I, I think it will. And, and maybe we also add with Nick Saban's players uh, in that national championship. But, uh, yes, uh, that that won't be going away. Funny how that works. It, you know? it, 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 but, but at the same time, uh, Trav, I don't care how good a program that you have, and, and I know obviously the Baylor basketball coach uh, coming over uh, was a big boom for them as far Kim as Mulkey. Uh, yeah. and she's really good too at Baylor 21. Yeah, oh, yesterday was meeting up with her yeah. for like a public 
photo op so he can maybe get some shine off of Kim Mulkey at this point, yeah, you know, yeah. three-time national champion Kim Mulkey. Uh, but but even uh, but listen, uh, I mean it's and and I don't know if we scratched the surface yet of what might happen mm-hmm. with this situation. I've said it before, though. I think O is wired in such a caveman-like way that if there is a guy that can sort of be oblivious to all of this other stuff and still get something or help a team just on the football field achieve its potential, it might be O. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you just get uh, yes. the feeling that O is, you know, like, yeah, well, we'll just keep it rolling here. No, no big deal. Hey, uh, Brent, as we get out of here, with you uh do you have a magazine college football magazine <laughs> update for us i know you count down the days to add lines and lindy's what about it brent when are we, well, we going to see those hitting the newsstand well in keeping track of this over the last many years the average date is around may 17th to 20 so we'll, we'll be looking at something similar to that uh, that that's coming up and and again uh look as you and I both know, you, you, you having a magazine in the past, and both <laughs> and both of us writing for magazines in the past, the these guys who are doing putting magazines together, Trev, there's a lot of twelve and fourteen hour days for these writers in the next few weeks, is it not? I don't I don't miss that. <laughs> I don't miss no. that. I don't no. miss that part with the old magazine days, prehistoric days of magazine publishing that yours truly was involved with. Brent, as you know, a very impactful day uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, 10 years ago on this day. An EF4 tornado ripped through Tuscaloosa, and uh, wow. Uh, I'm sure even though you weren't in Tuscaloosa at the time, uh, you certainly know a lot of people in the community. You went to the University of Alabama. Uh, Give me your, your thoughts when you returned maybe to Tuscaloosa for the first time and just how that how that hits you because the the city uh, was literally altered uh, so uh, so impactfully. I remember coming back shortly thereafter and and seeing how devastating that was. Uh, and at that point, there were still buildings around that were just rubble. Frankly, uh, in in being at the spring game. Uh, and look, I know it's 10 years later. A lot happens in 10 years, but but it's real credit to uh, uh, the city of Tuscaloosa and the people who were there in the university for persevering and, and rebuilding throughout all this. But it, it's apropos uh, for, um, uh, it, I think, to be recognized on this day. And, and, and I thought our, our colleague, Ryan Fowler, made a good point. He said when he first stepped out and saw it, he thought there may be thousands of deaths. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, uh, we were, we were extremely fortunate. Uh, that, that there, that, that, you know, we, we certainly had even ones too many, but I, but I'm grateful, Trav, that the, uh, that the loss of life was not more than it was and credit to the weather people for getting the word out about it so people could, at, at, at least to some degree, take some cover then. Chief Meteorologist Richard Scott of w, WVUA 23 in Tuscaloosa literally was on the air helping us, as you outlined there, along with others, uh, you know, on the, the news stations. And 
literally on the air knew his house was being hit mm. by the, mm. the one of the tornadoes that passed through. 62 tornadoes, according to James Spann, passed through the state wow. of Alabama on this date 10 years ago, killing 252 people, injuring many more. Three of the tornadoes that day were rated EF5. Mm-hmm. Just incredible. Incredible. Well, Brent, as always, we appreciate you taking time with us on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Look forward to doing it again next week, my friend. Me too, my friend. Take care. There you go. This is Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. More of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It was anything but a 24-hour window in which we were all so captivated and impacted and thankful for the community leaders at the time, including Mayor Walt Maddox, that helped us through that. But I'll tell you, as much as anything, it was just the people, everyday people doing their part to try to help as much as they possibly could. I remember Peterbrook Chocolatier back then turning into basically a drop-off location. Bottled water, just any type of necessities that we could distribute to folks in the community. That's what we were doing. That's what Peterbrook was doing. And then not only the locals that were doing everything they could, but then folks coming in from out of town. Ray Sanford, who unfortunately left us a couple of years ago, much too soon. But Ray actually got to know Ray through Twitter. Ray was a Twitter follower, and he contacted me right after the the events of April the 27th, 2011, and was like, hey, Travis, what can we do from down here in the Mobile area to get up there and, and help? And I kind of gave Ray an outline of what the situation was. And within a day or two, Ray Sanford and a crew of parishioners there at First Baptist Church in Tillman's Corner, in the Tillman's Corner area anyway, they were in my driveway. And they came equipped with chainsaws and trucks and limber young backs, most importantly. And we went around for a few days, different areas of Tuscaloosa, and just helped with cleanup. And they just worked those chainsaws like maestros. Didn't know these people at all. Didn't know Ray Sanford, these other fine folks, Steve, uh, Tracy, Richard and Christian, Heather, 
Gaither, Cody, Jacob. And they just showed up ready to go to work. And it was, uh, it was impactful both in terms of the tasks that were performed, but also the relationships that were formed back in those, those tough days. So, uh, again, it just, uh, seems like yesterday. It really does sitting in a interior closet with our then nine year old daughter. And she's got her little video tablet, you know, having a snack at around five o'clock on April the 27th, 2011. And, in some ways, you're thankful at that age, just kind of oblivious to what's going on. But, uh, boy, those memories, they will never fade, no doubt about that. Going to head to our final break. We come back, we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine, the high 84. For tonight, fair with a low at 64. Tomorrow, partially sunny with a high at 85. Thursday, increasingly cloudy, the chance of a shower late in the day. Thunderstorms are likely Thursday night, the high 81. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports. Well, Ace Freely, original lead guitarist for the boys, turned 70 years old today. I would have guessed a little bit older, but uh, he's still around, knocking around at 70. So a little kiss to get us out of here. On a Tuesday, by the way, Jacob Harrison, did you get that ringtone? That draft notification, that pick is in notification ringtone set up. Oh, he loves that. That's official now. That is the ringtone of Jacob Harrison's Selly. Is that correct? Yeah. I yes. Just, I just messed that up. So for those that missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's already went off about four or five times, too, and I'm not sick of it. I don't think I will. I think oh, I'll never. Never. He'll be asking people to call him, you know, so he can just hear it. He loves that. He loves that tonage, that tonage. He's going to get a lot of it starting Thursday night up in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, man. You know what I did last night? Still feeling the effects from it. Uh, Brazilian Steakhouse night last night. Oof. The meat sweats, Jacob. The meat sweats. They just keep it coming. I'd never been to a Brazilian steakhouse before, you know, and they give you that card. And if you have it with the red side up, they won't come to you with all the different meats that they carve right there in front of you at the table. So you got to be, you got to be quick. It almost feels like family feud with that card. You know, you're constantly dealing with it. Uh, Red, you don't want them to hit you. Green, they hit you. And they had the, uh, Wow, they had the filet, they had the garlic steak, they had shrimp, Brazilian barbecued chicken, sausage. Oh, jeez, man. Had to turn the AC down to about 61 
you know? Those uh, awful, awful meat sweats. Brazilian Steakhouse, not bad, you know? Not the worst. Don't recommend it more than maybe once every six or seven years. I don't think my cardiologist was down with it, but, you know, look. Birthday party place. Brazilian Steakhouse, Japanese Steakhouse. These are where we do birthdays in the United States of America. So I uh, I had an excuse to be there. I always appreciate Brent Beard being on the show with us. Brent, by the way, thanks to him. We talked about Brent and the multiple layers that there are to this guy, and I've said it before. Brent Beard is also a hospice chaplain. Well, unfortunately, our sister, my sister-in-law, passed away here recently. And uh, the the sister of the chocolate lady uh, sadly passed away here a couple weeks ago. And Brent Beard officiated the service. Just a tremendous all-around human being. And Brent Beard knows his college football, too. And he's excited about those college football magazines coming out here in the next month or so. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. The lunch whistle on this Tuesday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. It is a Thai Chicken Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar. Get by there. Get those Thai Chicken pizzas tonight starting at 6 o'clock. They're just 7 bucks. Get one of those styles. Get the styles, the craft cocktail. Among the many that they have there at Heat Pizza Bar to go along with that Thai Chicken pizza, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. And until 11 a.m. on Wednesday, have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.